It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Little did aspiring actor Burt Ward know that learning martial arts, in addition to his mental and athletic ability, would change his life forever. A star athlete as a teenager, Burt had everything necessary to be a true boy wonder, and a boy wonder he became. Burt was cast as Robin opposite Adam West in the Batman TV series for ABC, a show that became an overnight sensation. Burt and Adam made personal appearances together and were featured on the cover of Life magazine. Years after the end of the TV series, Bert switched gears and went from Cape Crusader to Canine Crusader. Driven by his love for animals, Bert and his wife Tracy created the nonprofit Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions. Gentle Giants is now the largest giant breed dog rescue in the world. Welcome, Bert. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice to meet you. So, Bert, like millions of others, I grew up watching Batman and Robin, and those are beloved characters to this day. Tell us a story about how you got involved with the show. Well, uh, I was a young actor going to UCLA, studying acting professionally. Uh, I, uh, on the weekends, was helping my father out, who was a prominent real estate broker in Beverly Hills, California. Uh, I helped him uh, sell a house to a famous producer who was nice enough to send me to an agent who sent me out for the part. There was a little bit of competition, about 1,100 young actors <laughs> that were trying out for the part. And uh, I got the role. Uh, I was told by the executive producer, we picked you, Bert, because in our minds, forgetting acting and television for a minute, but if there really was a Robin for real, we think that you personally would be it. So we want you to just be yourself and be enthusiastic. And that's what I did for 120 episodes. Bert, was this your first major role? It was my first role, period. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, there was uh, it was uh, a wonderful experience. Uh, it was an amazing opportunity, but I felt really comfortable uh, being a very athletic person, and I was able to do all the stuff that they wanted Robin to do, and I just had a great time doing it. From the beginning, during those years, how did Robin evolve? Well, I mean, the character goes back to the comic books that were in the 30s and 40s. They were developed, uh, and... Uh, uh, we basically uh, brought those comic book characters to life. And if you think about all the movies that have since come out with superheroes, they, those movies probably would never have happened if it hadn't been for the tremendous success of our television show, Batman, that brought superheroes into everybody's homes. So the show was a hit, and you and Adam were thrust into the spotlight almost overnight. What was that like for you? Was it crazy? Well, On one hand, it didn't have any change in one hand because when you spend uh, 12 hours a day in a cold soundstage and (laughs) 
and there's nothing to do but sit around for 45 minutes to work for 20 seconds. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not the glamour that you might think. However, when we, I would go out and make personal appearances and meet people, and I would see how the reaction was of kids just of all ages, adults, kids, teenagers, everybody went nuts over Batman, that uh, it was a, it, a whole different world than working on that soundstage, uh, you know, uh, putting on that costume and getting in front of that hot light with the camera. You know, I, I'm dating myself because I'm in my middle 50s, and so I grew up watching the show, and it was just so magical. There was just something about it, the guests that you had, and, and you know, like, I don't, today you look at the way everything has to be so graphic and so spelled out. I like what you guys put out. I think it was magical. Well, it was also family entertainment. It was something for everybody. For kids, it was the hero worship. You know, I mean, what child didn't want to be Batman or Robin or at least ride in the Batmobile and climb walls and fight heinous villains all for the good of mankind? And for the adults, it was the nostalgia of the comic uh, book. And for teenagers and college kids, it was that uh, campy style, that that uh, double meaning insinuation and all the kinds of things that were, were kind of inside jokes and stuff that, you know, teenagers and college kids, they loved. There was something for everybody. You had so many great guests and supporting characters on the show. What were some of your favorite moments? Surviving. It was a very dangerous show to make. Um, and uh, I remember in the first week of uh, the I think it was four out of the first five days. I ended up in the emergency hospital with uh, second-degree burns, a broken nose. I mean, I didn't think I was going to survive the first week. So you didn't use stunt doubles back then? Well, they, they had a stunt double for me, but there was a problem, okay? I found that on the first day when I was in the Batmobile in the Batcave ready to come out. And uh, the famous drive through uh, the Batcave. And I looked over expecting to see Adam West, but there was a stunt driver there. And I said, oh, well, why are you here? And he said, because this is a very dangerous stunt, and the studio doesn't want to take a chance of Adam West getting hurt. I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this is so dangerous. How come I'm sitting here? Well, don't I have a stunt man? He says, oh, yeah, you have one. I said, well, where is he? Oh, the last time I saw him, he was over having coffee with Adam West. I said, wait a minute. There must be a terrible mistake here. So I called over the, uh, the second unit director before they started filming. And I said, I don't understand this. I'm supposed to have a stunt man. They said, oh, you do? I said, well, but if this is a dangerous stunt, why isn't he sitting here instead of me? And he said, because we can't use him. Oh, I said, well, why is that? He said, because he doesn't look like you. I said, well, wait a minute. Why would you hire a stunt man to be my stunt man if he doesn't look like me? Well, we couldn't find anybody else. So as a result of that, many of the really dangerous stunts, in fact, they had a policy on Batman. If it's ever really dangerous, always use Bert. <laughs> who were who some of the, the villains that you enjoyed working with the most? Who do you think are the most memorable for you? For me, as a young actor, I was like the kid in the candy store. Every one of these stars was somebody that I had seen either in movies or on television, and I was just blown away to have an opportunity to work with them. I remember when Vincent Price came on the set uh, to do the role of Egghead. Uh, I had remembered 
as a child seeing the Raven in some of his scary movies. And I had that moment when I first met him where I was actually a little frightened. They turned out to be a really nice man. And I had one of the best egg fights of my life, throwing eggs at, at Egghead on that show. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And there were so many great stars. Yeah, the list goes on. I was looking through it in preparation of, of speaking with you, and, and I really had forgotten how many amazing actors had been on that show. There were so many stars that wanted to be on the show, but because of the limitation of having one villain a week, uh, the producers created this special scene of Batman and Robin climbing up the side of a building and a window opening. And we had so many superstar guests from Sammy Davis Jr. to Colonel Clink to Lurch to Betty White to Don Ho to uh, just so many actors and actresses that wanted to be on our show that their own children were driving them crazy to get on Batman. Bert, how would you like the show to be remembered? Well, it's considering it's in reruns and that it will probably be shown forever, uh, I think it's more than just remembered because we're on every week. People can see it. And, you know, even in today's world, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, in the last two years, uh, I've made two movies with Warner Brothers. Uh, they're animated features with my voice, uh, reprising my role as Robin. Uh, the first one is called Batman uh, Returns, the, the Cape Crusaders, and uh, that's uh, Adam West did the voice of, of Batman. I did the voice of Robin. And the most recent one, Batman versus Two-Face, again, Adam West did the voice of Batman. I did the voice of Robin. And the voice of Two-Face was portrayed by none other than William Shatner. So here you have the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, with the actors working together. So, Bert, you made the switch from Cape Crusader to Canine Crusader. How did you start on the journey of rescuing dogs? Well, 25 years ago, my wife and I moved uh, to a small city uh, about an hour east of Los Angeles with our young daughter. And we thought we'd get our daughter a dog. And I liked great games. My wife liked Irish wolfhounds. And so we started looking and we found out that there were uh, all these great games that were given up that instead of being in a rescue, that the person who was rescuing Great Danes had actually died. And now all of these Great Danes were going into animal shelters and everyone was being put to death. These big, gentle giants. And I said to my wife, Tracy, the first week of August of 1994, I said, we can't let these dogs die. How about just for a couple of weeks, just till we get somebody else to take this over, that we take these dogs? Well, that first month, we had more than 100 Great Danes at our house. And it's been 25 years, and nobody's ever taken it over. <laughs> I mean, I'm a patient guy, but 25 years. So tell us a little bit more about your charity. How can we get involved? Well, first of all, we rescued, in the last 25 years, more than 15,500 dogs. Every one would have been put to death if we hadn't been there to save them. In the course of saving their lives, I mean, if you think about it, if you go to trouble to save a life, you certainly want that dog to live as long and as healthy as possible. So we developed a feeding and care program that initially added about three years to every dog's life. That information is available on our website at gentlegiantdogfood.com. And so we had Great Danes that normally live seven to nine years actually living 
on average 10 to 12 years, which was pretty tremendous just by that. But then because we love these dogs so much and we didn't want to lose them, we developed a special dog food called Gentle Giant. It is different from every other dog food in the world, okay, completely different. And eating this food, our dogs are living up to 27 years, including our giant breed. Uh, We've got Great Danes living up to 22 years, which when you consider their average lifespan is seven to nine years, that's triple. And we have other dogs living to 27 years. We have dogs running around like puppies in their 20s. And right now, of the more than 50 dogs that we have in our house, as I speak to you, 30 of those dogs have already lived more than twice their normal lifespan. This food is, is we, my wife and I, we take no salary from. This is all about our charity and loving animals. It's called Gentle Giant. It's available in Walmarts all across America on walmart.com. It's available on our, our, our website, gentlegiantsdogfood.com. And everything that we're doing is targeting helping dogs live longer, healthier, happier lives. And I'll tell you something, for the average person who loves their dog, to have their dog for an extra five or ten years longer is not just great for the dog, but look what it does for the pet parent. Bert, from this research and, and all the work that you've been doing, in addition to the food that you just talked about, what are some things that dog owners can do to improve the quality and longevity of their dog's life? Okay, how we have dogs living up to 27 years is by three things. You know, think of it this way. If you were opening a combination lock and you had to turn the lock so many turns to the left and so many to the right and back to the left, you'd realize you have to get all three things exactly right to get it to work. Well, the maximum longevity that we've developed is by combining three things. How you care for your dog, number one. Number two, how you feed your dog. And three, what you feed your dog. Well, our Gentle Giants dog food is so different than every dog food. For example, if you have a dog, and and I don't know if you do, but if you did have a dog and you felt your dog's food, the food that you give your dog to eat, you would feel a slightly greasy feeling on the outside of that food. That is animal fat that was sprayed on the outside of the food to get dogs to eat the food and to actually make them hungrier to make you feed them more, to make you buy more dog food. We don't believe in that. Our dog food is totally dry on the outside. It isn't greasy. And people say, well, what's the big deal about this animal fat? Well, I'll tell you what the big deal is. You wouldn't put bacon grease down your garbage disposal at home, right? Because mm-hmm. you know that if you did that, you would clog your garbage disposal and you would ruin it. You'd be buying a new garbage disposal. So I explain to people, when you realize that animal fat will ruin a metal garbage disposal, what do you think is happening to the intestines and arteries of your dog when every single bite they take, every kibble that is encapsulated in animal fat? And that's just one of a dozen different things that we do differently with one objective, to help every dog live the longest, healthiest, happiest life possible. But very quickly, before we run out of time, can you provide a tip or two that can help someone find the right pet? Well, first of all, if you want to get a dog, you really need to understand that you are taking a big responsibility on. Not everybody should have a dog. 
okay? They are a living creature. They are a very loving, sensitive creature that needs time. So if you're a really busy person and you just want to get one to enjoy it on the weekend or something like that or, you know, a few hours a day, you shouldn't be getting a dog. Dogs are for people who have the time to spend with them. When you have a living life, there's such a responsibility to properly care for it. So that's one thing. Secondly, if you get a dog that you want to be sure, come to our website, GentleGiantsDogFood.com. Learn how to properly feed and care for your dog. You can add years to your dog's life and have such a better enjoyment of your dog if you can communicate with your dog. I'm here right now in my home with more than 50 dogs. You don't hear them barking. You don't hear them arguing. Uh, it's a wonderful nurturing environment. We teach people, whether you have one dog or many dogs, how to create that wonderful environment, how to communicate with your dog, how to have the best time, and how to give your dog many more years of health and happiness. Bert, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your life's work with us. You've brought joy to so many of us over the years, and you continue to bring joy to many through a different channel. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you, citizen, to the Batmobile. (laughs) This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Soul by Rain is produced from various seed flowers. Its primary ingredients hail from the black cumin seed and the black raspberry seed. These two combine to provide a powerful antioxidant barrier against the devastating effects of stress. Soul by Rain has been hailed as one of the most important anti-aging antioxidants ever discovered. Soul is an anti-inflammatory and it helps prevent and repair radical damages for a healthier heart. Get your soul by calling your rain partner, Elmina Ziza, at 973 973- 722-1154. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. We all want to live a happy, productive life. 
but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce stress and worry. Allison is here today to discuss why it's so difficult to accept the things that happen in our lives. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Allison, in your podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you talk a lot about acceptance. Why do you believe accepting things that happen in our lives is so difficult? Acceptance is a really difficult issue for a lot of people because it's about tolerating or making peace with something that we don't like or that causes us physical or emotional pain. Also, the world around us is often telling us to focus on overcoming our problems and to persevere until we achieve our goals. So many of us believe this means that we should not accept things in our lives that we don't like. But this is the biggest misconception about the idea of acceptance. When you accept something, it doesn't mean you won't try to make life better or achieve your goals. Instead, acceptance is about not arguing with reality and letting go of the pain that we experience when we resist what is happening. I'm sure many of your listeners can easily identify with the problem that they are wrestling with right now. The key to less suffering and possibly finding a solution is to stop holding on to the way things were before your problem occurred and to stop holding on to the thought that things should have worked out differently. Resisting the flow of life will only cause us suffering. It takes courage and strength to accept life the way it is, but the ability to accept things is the beginning to finding peace and maybe even making our situation better. I agree that it is difficult to accept things that happen. I've gone through that in my own life where, you know, it's really easy to stay stuck in the past and and to think about all of the things that could have been. So in your work, Allison, you've discussed different types of acceptances for different situations in our lives. Can you explain a few of these different types for us? Sure. And, and today I'd like to talk about out-of-control acceptance and problem acceptance. Now, first I'll focus on what I call out-of-control acceptance. Now, it might seem difficult based on its name, but it's really the easiest form of acceptance. Most of us don't realize that all day long we are arguing with so many little things that happen during our day that we have no control over. We let these little things make us stressed or we let them change our mood, which can carry over to the rest of the day. We could be sitting in traffic that makes us late for an important meeting. The internet could be slow at a cafe, or we're holding on for a long time with a customer service agent, or our child's room is messy again. We could start getting uptight because we think things are not right. We don't like waiting, we're late, or we feel we're wasting our time. Basically, things are not going as planned. But being upset is just resisting what is happening, whether you like it or not. And this is why we need out-of-control acceptance. You could still feel angry or frustrated. But the realization that you can't change it helps you get to the conclusion quickly that if you can't control the situation, no matter how hard you try, then you could choose something different. The minute you choose acceptance, you could choose peace, no matter what situation you face. As Henry Wadsworth Longfellow once said, for after all, the best thing one can do when it's raining is to let it rain. (laughs) It makes perfect sense. We don't think we can control the rain, but -hmm. for some reason we think we can control traffic. Um, The other type of acceptance I'd like to discuss is problem acceptance. Now, problem acceptance is tricky because you might be able to do something about it in the future. We could often get confused between arguing a problem exists and actually solving the problem. Some of us have a tendency to go over a problem in our mind again and again like a broken record. We have trouble believing the situation is happening. We don't want it to be true. 
and we keep analyzing how it happened. But repeating things over and over in our minds can prevent us from moving forward. Sure, we need to process our emotions, but arguing with reality just keeps us in the same pain. And problem acceptance doesn't mean you like what's happening. Instead, you just accept it as a fact in this moment. Problem acceptance gives you the opportunity to reduce your pain and to be so present and open to what is and also what can be. Once you accept the problem, you actually have more energy and a clear mind to start working on solving it or figuring out how to move forward the best you can. Allison, I know that you always like to leave our listeners with an exercise. So do you have something that you can share that can help people find more acceptance in their lives? Yes. Here's an exercise to help your listeners find more acceptance in their lives. First, write down all the little stuff that annoys you each day. I'm talking about traffic, your child's messy room, delays in an airport. Recognize which ones you can't control and make a commitment right now to accept them. And yes, there'll be surprising stuff that happens each day, but if you could create awareness around this and see how these little things create a bad mood, stress, or annoyance, it could be easily released with a deep breath and a commitment to ask yourself, is this out of my control? Can I find peace instead? Now, problem acceptance could be more challenging because these are problems that we might be able to change moving forward. But we still need to get into the habit of asking ourselves when we start to feel angry, resistant, sad, can I change the fact that this situation is happening right now? You might be able to change it in the next moment or tomorrow, but right now, can you change it? How would you feel if you accepted it? Even if we accept something, we could still have pain, but it's different. When you don't accept something, it's a pain that can never go away. And when you do accept a problem, it's a pain that can evolve over time. We realize that this is just an experience we are having, and everything in life always changes. And this is when we become very thankful for the uncertain future. Because if we don't know what will happen next, this means that things could get better, or we could find a way to live with whatever we are experiencing and still be okay. We realize that we might not be happy about a situation, but if we have breath, then we have hope, and life will continue. And there will be another moment and another opportunity for things to be different. So if you're having trouble accepting something in your life, take a deep breath and try one of my favorite mantras. I didn't expect this, but I accept this. Maybe I could still make the changes in my life that I want to see and see what shows up in your life. I love that, Allison. I didn't expect this, but I accept this. If you would like to get more information about Allison and her work, you can visit AllisonCarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, CYACYL.com slash Allison. We'll be right back. What does it mean to you to be empowered? To many of the women I work with, it means being in control of their lives, having freedom, and feeling good about their accomplishments. Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm, we help clients organize their lives as well as their homes. Being organized supports being empowered. Having systems and routines in place fosters the feeling of control. It leads to increased self-esteem, confidence, strength of character, and dignity. Being organized frees up the time to do what is most important to us, like spend time with family or friends or pursue our dreams and goals. We have peace of mind because everything is in place. Things have homes, vital documents are prepared and filed for easy access. Being organized allows us to make effective decisions, improves our relationship with others, and encourages us to take better care of ourselves. I'm Gail Gruenberg, and I can help you implement systems and routines so you can embrace feeling empowered. Call me at 201 
1-800-364-6833 or visit my website at lgorganized.com. Wouldn't it be great if you could exercise in the middle of sleep? At the very least, we can learn to keep fit while we sit. I'm Dr. Michael Magwood, a chiropractor from Pure Balance Center with offices in New York City and Clifton, New Jersey. Today's tip for healthy sitting involves four rules to doing it better. First, improve your posture. Your chiropractor teaches very specific elongation exercises that can be done periodically during the day. Second, keep moving. Remind yourself to get up from your chair at least every 15 minutes, even if just for a moment. Third, optimize your workstation ergonomically. Our practice actually enters into the corporate world to do ergonomic workstation assessments. And four, address stress. Believe it or not, the demands of your job play a bigger role on your system than you realize. So remembering to breathe through your nose and actually measure that your respiratory rate is 12 breaths per minute or less will really, really help. I'm Dr. Michael Magwood from Pure Balance Center. For more information, please reach out to us at purebalancecenter.com or purebalancenyc.com. Less than 2% of America's population volunteers to defend our nation. Though we rarely see them, we live the benefits of these heroes' sacrifices and the freedom we know and the safety we feel. Each and every day, the Gary Sinise Foundation serves our nation by honoring our defenders, veterans, first responders, and their families. We do this by creating and supporting unique programs designed to entertain, educate, inspire, strengthen, and build communities. The Gary Sinise Foundation has grown because the need has never been greater. Together, we'll improve the lives of thousands of American heroes and their families day in, day out, all year long. While we can never do enough to show our gratitude to our nation's defenders, our veterans, our first responders, and the families who stand by them, we can always do a little more. Join us. Visit GarySiniseFoundation.org. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. It has been reported that children spend more than six and a half hours per day on screens. 93% of teen Facebook users share their real name. Sexting is a ranking concern for U.S. children. And one third of students between ages 12 to 17 have been victims of cyberbullying. Children face real dangers online. But how can parents protect their kids without isolating them from the reality of our digitally connected world? Joining me today is Will Geddes, one of the world's leading security Specialists. Will coaches parents on the risks of internet dangers and offers practical advice so that children can be engaged in modern media while remaining safe. Will is a regular commentator and analyst for media, including CNN, NBC, BBC, and Newsweek, and he's the author of the book, Parent Alert, How to Keep Your Kids Safe Online. Welcome, Will. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invite, Joan. So, Will, when you hear words like cybercrime, sexting, cyberbullying, phishing, cyberstalking, grooming, nude selfies, these are activities that were not part of my world as a child. But today, it's a very different story. 
Our kids are exposed to these scary activities on a daily basis, and they're not equipped to handle these realities. So I want to thank you for being here because this is such an important conversation that we can have. So as parents, we can't shield our kids from online dangers if we don't know what they are. Can you give us a general understanding of what is going on in the digital world that our kids are being exposed to? Well, of course. I mean, certainly in terms of the digital life and the virtual life that we all are increasingly inhabiting, this is, uh, in many regards, uh, still an uncharted waters for most of us in terms of the kind of risks that we can potentially be presented with, the type of content and material that we might not actively necessarily seek out, but we can come across accidentally or uh, just purely by chance. And in many regards, although we want to place as much trust as we can on the developers of apps and the builders of social media sites, the internet as a whole, unfortunately, still doesn't have the degrees of controls that each of us might necessarily want. But more importantly, that could ideally protect children from A, the types of content that they could potentially see, but B, the kinds of threats that they could be exposed to. And those threats now make up an increasingly wide spectrum. Well, there were a couple of terms that I threw out, and I want to just run through some of them. And if you can give us a very brief explanation of what they are. So cybercrime, what is that? Well, cybercrime will be fundamentally any kind of crime which could seek to extract or extort money from you or by duplicating or recreating your identity to use your identity as a proxy to perpetrating various crimes on the Internet. Now, that could be defrauding other individuals. It could be grooming other individuals. uh, But it's fundamentally crime that falls within the virtual cyberspace as opposed to what we might conventionally see in the real world. So anything from robbery through to fraud to extortion. Now, you just mentioned the word grooming. What is that? Well, grooming is the generic term that is used more often than not when there are predators who are seeking to actively target children for some kind of nefarious activity. And unfortunately, in the vast majority of those instances, it will be with some sexualized nature. Now, grooming is incredibly insidious because it generally constitutes the process of cultivating, indoctrinating and coercing a child over a period of time through very, very, very subtle means. And many of the predators that are grooming children and minors online will use such subtle tactics that the child can quite often not realize what is actually happening until they have been enveloped, if you like, by the predator into either sharing information, compromising photographs, or even in the worst instances, even physically meeting with the groomer in the real world. Is there a common way that opportunists prey on children? Is there something that parents can be looking for? Well, one of the things that I I talk about quite extensively in this book is how valid will this book be in, say, a few months from now or even a year from now? And 
where I frequently mention within the book is about your protection, your safety being a defense in depth. And what I mean by that is that although technology can evolve and advance incredibly quickly and your child might be on one app this week and then on a brand new app next week, there are still some fundamental modus operandi that the criminal, the extortionist, the groomer for that matter needs to be able to follow to be able to compromise you as an individual or the child into giving up personal information, enabling access into a private account, or being susceptible to some degree of extortion. And the way that I best describe it is to say that you or the child, for that matter, is the key to the house. And if the house is full of your valuables, your private information, your personal data, whatever means or process that the criminal or the threat has to approach by, they still have to come through that door which is protected by you. So although one talks about hacking more often than not in a technical sense, in many regards, it is about human hacking. It's compromising the person and coercing or or maybe even manipulating you to compromise the security values and common sense that you might not normally sort of uh, drop in a real world situation that you would be uh, duped into believing is worth dropping. So whether that be that there is some reward against you providing certain information, whether that be entering your personal information or whether it be by sending a compromising picture. So then, Will, how do we keep the door to our house shut? What is cybersecurity, and how can we practice it on social media? Well, when the publishers first came to me with the book, they said, Will, what we want is something that is going to cover children between the ages of 7 and 17. When I looked at the actual demographic of the 13 to 17-year-olds, or sorry, the 7 to 17-year-olds, I explained to the publishers that what we can talk about here is best practice. So it's Everything from the moment you set up that brand new device that you've taken out of the box, what account name do you put on it, what password do you put on it, the two-factor authentication, VPN, and various other things that I'll talk about in the book, which are very easy to put in place, but will control your digital footprint from the outset. But many children will already become incredibly capable and conversant with technology that trying to integrate that best practice is going to be a challenge. But where the book, if you like, serves its purpose is more as crisis management guide in the event of when things actually go wrong, which is more often going to be probably the case for that 13 to 17 year old age group. So, Will, when something does go wrong, what is something that a parent can do? Well, there are lots and lots of things you can do. And the first thing that I would always wish to reassure parents, and I've dealt with a number of cases over the years where parents have come to me in absolute desperation to say, what can I do? My child has done this, that, or the other. Um, The first thing is about talking to your child and how to communicate with them in such a way that the child doesn't feel that you're prying and you're spying on them, but also that they can come to you without judgment, without recrimination, because children will feel that if they do come to the parent, there is that embarrassment factor to start with, that they may have been caught out on something which in many regards was probably pretty straightforward and was just common sense that they didn't do but they did and that the parent can actually help them and advise them and work through that problem and then in the book i talk about everything from how you as a parent can actually with the child as teamwork 
manage that situation to recover it and all the sources and resources that you can go to that can assist you with that, even right through to the really serious situations where it makes very clear definitive thresholds of when you need to even potentially alert law enforcement and then how you can work with law enforcement to best enable them to assist and support you. The book is Parent Alert, How to Keep Your Kids Safe Online. Will, if our listeners would like to get more information, where can they go? Well, they can go to Amazon and they can go to many reputable online booksellers. And uh, they can also go to our Instagram account, which is parent underscore alert, where we are answering a number of uh, people's questions. We're trying to post up some interesting content. And if any of your listeners uh, do have any particular questions, please, they can send a message through there and we'll do our best to try and answer that for them. Well, thank you so much for being here. As I said in the beginning, it can be a scary world, but... By following your advice and implementing security measures, we can avoid potential risks while reaping the many benefits of a connected society. So thank you for being here and sharing with us. Well, thank you for the invite, Joan. It's been a pleasure. We'll be right back. When it comes to your career, do you feel hopelessly trapped, caught at a crossroads with nowhere to turn? Hi, I'm Amy Blumberg, an executive and leadership coach, but many of my clients call me the dot connector. If you're what I call a transitioner, someone who's been downsized, ready for a change, willing to explore new opportunities, take a risk, or having difficulty navigating a new job, you need to remove roadblocks, address your fears, and think creatively. Here are three strategies from my Nine Building Dots program. One, start by identifying your passion. Think about what excites you and where you would rather be spending your time and energy. Two, embrace change. Make sense of what is stopping you and remove the barriers that are getting in your way from reaching your goals. And three, explore opportunities you've never considered before. Determine what actions you need to take to make this shift and seek out resources to build an easily executable success plan. I can help you connect the dots because I've been a transitioner too. With one-on-one thoughtful direction, I can help you make the right strategic decisions to vault you from where you are to unlimited possibilities. So let's connect, untrap yourself. For more details and contact information, go to amyblumbergcoaching.com. That's A-M-I-E-B-L-U-M-B-E-R-G coaching.com. At Amy Blumberg Coaching, I connect people and possibilities. I'm sure you've heard that laughter is the best medicine, right? But maybe there's something even better for your health. I'm Christina Nemec, co-founder of PATH Health Consultants. Here at PATH, we focus on using lifestyle to prevent and manage health risks. We're a workplace wellness firm dedicated to improving the bottom line of the organizations we work with. Our innovative, personalized approach to wellness supports employees as they adopt and sustain behaviors that improve or maintain their health. In addition, we offer a variety of health seminars and workshops to companies interested in education educating and supporting their employees in a group setting. Regular physical activity can prevent, manage, or even cure many conditions, including heart disease, diabetes, stroke, obesity, depression, certain types of cancer, and arthritis. Many prescription medications simply deal with the symptoms but can't actually reverse the disease. 
Regular exercise can increase your HDL or good cholesterol while also decreasing your triglyceride levels. And both are important to keeping your blood flowing smoothly. It can help to control your weight, improve your mood, boost your energy levels, get you a better night's sleep, and even improve your sex drive. If you'd like more information on how exercise is the best medicine or on workplace wellness, please contact us at pathhealthllc.com. That's pathhealthllc.com. Do you have thoughts that keep looping in your mind? Do you have trouble letting go of past events? If this sounds like you, then hypnosis can be the answer to help you to let go. Hi, I'm Mary Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner at Metro Hypnosis Center. Thoughts can keep us stuck and in a path and prevent us from moving forward. Negative or looping thoughts can overpower the mind and be consuming. When we focus on the past and have constant thoughts in our mind, then we are not present and able to enjoy the moment that we are in. So it's important to learn to clear the mind. So if you have that thought, then delete the thought or see the thought coming out of the mind and leaving. Create a new positive thought right away to replace it. Keep applying this technique when a negative or constant thought tries to come back. The more you do this, the easier it is to take back the control. This is one of many techniques that's used in hypnosis to clear the mind. I'm Mary Battaglia. For more information on hypnosis, go to MetroHypnosisCenter.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. I am honored to be a special ambassador for the 2019 Coleman North Jersey Race for the Cure. I hope that you'll join me and my race team on Sunday, May 5th at Liberty State Park for this 5K fun walk and 5K timed run. Sign up for my team at cyacyl.com slash Coleman. That's cyacyl.com slash Coleman. Join the fight. Save lives. Register now. and integrative medicine physician who practices anti-aging medicine, executive health, hormone replacement therapy, and weight management. She's the author of Vibrance for Life, How to Live Younger and Healthier. Dr. Maida is here today to discuss thyroid hormones. Welcome, Dr. Maida. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Joan. Dr. Maida, thyroid conditions are prevalent and can lead to things such as fatigue, weight gain, dry skin, poor memory, and constipation, all very common conditions. So what does someone do when he or she thinks that their thyroid is not working well, but they're told that it's normal? Well, the first and foremost is you might want to seek a second opinion because it's a common complaint that I see every day. And doctors order routine thyroid tests, but the type of tests you order and the interpretation of the test are key. So what most conventional doctors do, they order a TSH, which is called thyroid stimulating hormone. Think of it as a hormone that is telling your thyroid and stimulating your thyroid to make T4, which is the hormone. The higher it is, the louder it's talking to your thyroid. So a high TSH means low thyroid and a low TSH means your thyroid is high, normal, or maybe too much. So 
many practitioners stop there. Mm-hmm. However, somebody with a TSH of 4.5, when the upper limit of normal is 5, can be experiencing all of the symptoms of low thyroid, but they're going to be told they're normal. Sometimes T4 is normal, but this hormone is not that active. It gets converted to T3, the active hormone in your liver, your muscles, and your nervous system. And think of T3 as a gas that revs up your metabolism. This is rarely measured. So, doctor, what if someone's practitioner doesn't measure T3? What should the person do then? I would suggest you go to somebody who will measure it. Functional medicine physicians routinely measure T3. We like to measure the free hormones because those are also available to get into your cell and turn on your DNA. So I oftentimes see people with normal TSH, normal T4, and low T3. That's not a problem with your thyroid. It's a problem with converting the hormone. This is usually due to a stress the body's experiencing and is used as a protective mechanism. So you have to look at the underlying cause if your T3 is low. Stress can be physical, such as pain, trauma, surgery. It can be mental. It could be exposures to toxins, hormone imbalances, or infections. Your mind and body can't distinguish the type of stress it's experiencing. So it's up to you and your physician to figure out which one of these things it is. Doctor, how would a person go about getting a more detailed look at thyroid hormones? Functional medicine physicians will take a detailed history, and many times there are clues in the history that may need to be confirmed with some tests. If somebody has experienced symptoms of hormone imbalance, I would measure the hormones. I would go to somebody who's going to measure all of that. Maybe your primary care doctor will order it. A TSH, a free T3, and a free T4, the minimum. Sometimes people live or work in an area where they may have had exposure to chemicals, herbicides, pesticides, or mold, and they need to be detoxified. So you have to be your own doctor in that area unless you seek expert advice. Other people experience food sensitivities or hidden infections, and the gut is a common source of infection. So doing an elimination diet to remove foods that can allow bacteria to grow and then reintroduce them can be very helpful, and this is something that you can do on your own. Finding and correcting the root cause is what's going to raise your free T3 so you can function optimally. And if you're struggling with trying to figure it out on your own, Seek a good functional medicine doctor in your area because they can find the hidden sources of stress on your body. Dr. Maida, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more information, you can visit Dr. Maida's website, howtoliveyounger.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Maida, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Lorraine. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. Does your child snore or breathe with their mouth hanging open at night? Are they restless or just don't get a good night's sleep? Children that don't sleep well will have other troubles like slowed physical growth, behavioral issues at home or at school, and changes in their facial appearance, including crooked teeth. At the Center for Integrative Orthodontics, we treat the reasons that crooked teeth happen. People bring their children to us as young as three from all over the East Coast. To learn more, go to morethanstraightteeth.com. 
that's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.